Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. Hey, how's it going? Hey, great. How about you? I'm doing well. Thanks for doing this. Thank you so much for having me in your lovely, crunchy, above garage thingy. Yeah, it's uh, we're we're so close to the belly of the beast, but it feels like a different world it here. It does. It feels like it feels like someplace a lot cooler, you know. And it's it's a safe space for liberty. Oh, good. Okay, so yeah. we can we can do whatever here, just not outside. Well, if if you go full authoritarian, it's going to get uncomfortable, but we'll see. Can I braid your hair without a license? Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. Which is a beautiful segue. <laughs> so so who are you anyway? You're you're at R Street and you you do a thousand different things over there. Yeah, I uh, have trouble sitting still. I love my job. I love the work I do. It's a great problem to have, but figure 80% of my time is digital director. I run our email marketing, our social media. I have two employees, our website, stuff like that. And then about 20% of my time is my scholarship on occupation licensing, various regulatory stuff, and tech policy. Um, so when you see that stuff, know that's only 20% of my time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Adam Thier and, and your colleague Adam and Wayne Brow were on the show recently and they're the ones they're the ones that said get Shoshana on oh they're so sweet I love working with him Wayne's been really great even though I've been at our street a lot longer than him when he came in he was totally cool about me working on policy he encouraged it he's just so friendly and he gives great feedback on work so I'm lucky to work with them both so uh, what's the most outrageous occupational licensing story you've seen recently oh my gosh it's so hard to say because there's just so many i think one of the ones that sticks with me like i'll always go back to louisiana florist license because that's insane but one of the ones that i feel like people may have forgotten about was in arizona a couple years ago a guy was cutting hair for the homeless and the cosmetology board cracked down on him he was in school like in school to study cosmetology and they said well you can't continue to do this if you're cutting hair for the homeless you don't have a license and governor ducey who was governor at the time he was like what like this guy is helping homeless people feel better and like get haircuts and feel good about themselves and maybe go out and get jobs and you're cracking down on him no like you don't get to do that so i was really grateful he stepped in because unfortunately like in florida uh, a couple of months ago during the storm there were contractors who were working with the police like you see a picture of them with the police having a great time feeding them helping first responders and then they went to go do contract work but they didn't have a license in the state they misread an executive order that they thought they were allowed to it's a common thing that a lot of times if uh, there's an emergency you might be able to do plumbing or contracting or something else to help out so they misread an eo and desantis really didn't step in to protect the people i don't think they were trying to run under the radar like they were working with the police and then different police arrested them later so that that sucked that's a real contrast that made me sad you know that's that's surprising uh you you would expect uh differently generally from republicans but the politics are weird right so you have state level regulation but then you have local regulation but it's all it's all special interest politics right like the like the big haircut industrial complex (laughs) very powerful in the state capitol 
Oh, yeah. And it was sad, too, because DeSantis has signed some great legislation on licensing reform and telehealth. Like, he gets it. So I was just kind of sad he didn't step in. Um, but it's funny, on the way here, um, my uh, my Uber driver had these great braids. And we were talking about hair, and I was like, okay, I'll mention, like, licensing reform. And she was so interested in it and had no idea that in some states you had to have a license to braid hair. So we had a great conversation, and now she's one of us. So nice. I, I radicalized on the way yes. here. <laughs> So, so it's a gateway. It's a gateway yeah. to, to the full thing. And now she's like hardcore libertarian. Yeah, yeah. She's fully libertarian. Like yeah. done. Every issue done. <laughs> can, can actually quote from Atlas Shrugged. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just I did that like t- uh, telepathically. She knows. That's amazing. <laughs> so um, the, the one big threat that I'm obsessed with now is not occupational licensing. I know I know all the groups have been working on this for a long time and it's it just keeps coming back because of the the local politics and the special interests. But the, the thing that I'm obsessed with is, is free speech in the digital age, which is something you're obsessed with as well. And I, I can't help but being cynical about a Senator who proposes a whole new regulatory paradigm to protect children because the go-to argument, um, since as long as I've been in Washington, whatever it is, we have to save the children. And and your argument in a nutshell is that you're you're building an infrastructure that's going to, to violate everybody's privacy and and anonymous speech is, is fundamentally an American thing. Yeah, it really kills me because I think when it comes to kids you have to take it extra carefully because the stuff can happen and people kind of squeeze by with stuff like with the new agency stuff um there have been a couple of senators who've talked about it like lindsey graham keeps saying we need a whole new agency to do this stuff and to make sure they can take away the license of their speech you don't like on a platform oh that's not a section 230 issue that's a first amendment issue yeah so i'm glad that you care about this stuff too because i think there's People fall on different sides of this stuff a lot differently than other issues, you know, whereas I think licensing tends to gain a lot of, like, allies. This one, people are like, oh, well, I'm mad at tech because they're biased. Of course mm-hmm. they're biased. I'm biased. Like, we're all biased, and news is biased. It sucks, but people are biased, and that's part of our First Amendment rights. And then when it comes to kids, I didn't expect to get into this. I didn't expect to get into a lot of what I get into, but I started reading these kids' online bills, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, because... I think a core piece of this is that it would require age verification. And a lot of people are like, oh, you know, you show your ID in the market to get alcohol, you show your ID to get cigarettes, to go to pornography stores, stuff like that. So what's the difference? Well, those people don't keep databases of your government IDs. When you go back, you have to show your ID again because they have lost the information, which is good. Like, I'm glad they don't keep that stuff on file. But online, that's not how it's going to work. And it won't just be your age. It'll be your information, all the stuff that ties it together. And with government involved, that's I'm not loving that. When Facebook on its own wanted to use IDs to, and I think they're still going to, to uh, verify users, I wasn't crazy about that to begin with. And having the government mandate it, it's going to really wreck a lot of rights online. It strikes me that um, in, in some ways the the cat's out of the bag because so many of these these big tech platforms already have um, contracts and working relationships with the government. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, we should be doubling down on privacy Yeah. because I do I do think there's abuse from the so-called private sector because I'm, I'm not sure how sure. private it is anymore because the, the, the relationship, I don't know if it's regulatory capture. I don't know if it's tech companies not being able to refuse an offer that they can't refuse, but whatever it is, um, there's there's way too much um, 
collusion with government already. So I'm going to get really nerdy. I know we're not we're not uh, not nerdy now, but there's there's a really important angle. I think that ties in foreign policy, because even assuming the U.S. government is doing the best of everything and everything it's doing is fully legitimate, lot lot to uh, to assume, but even assume that for the minute. So when we encourage platforms to give us special liberties to say, hey, you know, why don't we don't have a warrant, but can you give us this or take down this? It's dangerous. We promise. You know, we might think, okay, well, that's terrorist speech, sure, whatever. Um, But what about when China does that? Well, you do that for the U.S., why can't you do it for us? India took down speech uh, critical of the, or forced platforms to take down speech critical of the government. In the Middle East, you see this all over. Um, There's a really great test case, and I think it's in the New York Times with Clubhouse, where it was harder for the government to track people with it. They use their real names, but government can't be in every chat room at the same time listening to the same audio. And while audio sort of maintains on the platform for a little bit, they didn't have the resources to, uh, you know, to acquire that. So people were able to evade government scrutiny by using that stuff. But what about when we're like, well, we don't want them to, and we want these special privileges, and just take down this First Amendment protected speech. Most countries don't have a First Amendment anything like ours, or, you know, whatever their equivalent is. So when we take these liberties with platforms, other countries will use that to pressure them to do the exact same thing, which is really, really dangerous, more so even than our own country doing it, which will also do it for illegitimate reasons. And the same, what what really gets to me is the same lawmakers who are like, yeah, how dare uh, government pressure platforms? How dare we do this? It'll hurt things abroad. They're also pressuring platforms and saying, well, I don't like this. Why have you still employed this person who criticized me from the right to? Right, right. That kills me because it's free speech. Like, that's not how this is supposed to work. We're all supposed to be able to yell at each other and disagree with each other, but say, hey, we have fundamental rights that that doesn't interact with. And the, the last thing is, there's some information sharing that I think is legitimate, but it has to be done very carefully, and I'm not sure how to make that work right. But basically, child exploitation, you want government to be able to report that stuff, to report, hey, we're worried about this thing. And with with legal speech, like terrorist speech, that's not rising to the level of uh, actionable stuff that you could, you know, sue them for under law. Um, let them share the information, but not force them to do anything. But with child exploitation, let them let them coordinate, let them know what's going to be most valuable. Because a lot of times, th- that coordination is just not great right now, and it's the government's fault too. Like one agency of government will say, hey, this is dangerous, take it down. And another agency will say, hey, why did you take that down? We were monitoring it. So better information sharing when it comes to actually illegal stuff, but um, and the worst of the worst. But short of that, we have to be, re- and even there, we have to be really careful how we let this stuff interact. If you're watching this show, you're probably wondering, is there a way I can support liberty and improve my life at the same time? Well, there is. Pack Crest Botanicals is a libertarian-owned company that makes botanical CBD products. I started using CBD oil to help me when I'm trying to sleep, and my three annoying cats won't leave me alone. Now I can just ignore them for a solid eight hours and wake up feeling great. Not only are they run by our friends in the Liberty Movement, Pack Crest Botanicals also uses high quality organic ingredients in everything they make. They sell tinctures, edibles, topicals, and botanical vapes. CBD oil can help with pain, insomnia, inflammation, anxiety, stress, arthritis, and more. Use discount code FREETHEPEOPLE to save 25% of your order. And if you select Free the People as your charitable organization at checkout, a portion of your purchase will be donated to us to help fight for freedom.
Yeah, like the, the simple but wildly complex answer is it's got to be super limited. And yeah. It's, and it's got to be quite clear where that line is. And, and government doesn't do super limited and yeah. quite clear. So There was even a bill from, um, I think it was House Homeland Security, and I think from Representative Comer, that I really liked the intention of. And I think they were trying very hard to make it something good, but we had some problems with it. Um, part of it was saying, hey, you know, government can pressure platforms to take down speech. Love that. I absolutely love that. My problem is, though, it kind of applied to government officials in their personal capacity. So let's say, you know, a House staffer was like, oh, screw Oreo. Why is Oreo doing this on their own time? I don't think that matters too much. But if they were in their professional capacity pressuring, you know, Oreo's social media platform to do something, that that's different. But I don't think they, they got that balance quite right. But I will give them credit that that came close to something and something we should focus on, making sure there's barriers between free speech and government. I think um, it was either, I think it was Rand Paul or Thomas Massey or maybe both of them when they're on my show, they were fighting the TikTok proposed yeah. ban and pointing out the irony of, of us complaining about the Chinese government scooping up personal data and like, I think we do that maybe, maybe our government does that <laughs> um, all the time. And and I, I think that's, that's one problem. My impression yeah. generally with Republicans is, and, and I think this is probably true of Democrats as well, but a, a lot of the a sword rattling about we're gonna, we're gonna break you up or we're going to regulate your speech is really just trying to bully them to give them a more sympathetic uh, reach on Platform X. Very much so. It scares me, the, the level of jawboning and to seeing everyone support it. Like in congressional hearings, you had, I think it was a congresswoman saying, why is this uh, uh, employee still employed by you? They criticized me. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like to say that with a straight face or um, liberals saying, why didn't you leave more of this content up or why didn't you take more of it down? That's not your call. And you know, even illegal content, sometimes there's a line where you can't tell. Uh, a great example is the origin of Section 230, which everyone hates, but I really like. And it, the origin kind of gets to the point of why we needed the law. So it's going to sound fake, but it's totally real. The Wolf of Wall Street sued Prodigy, which was an older platform for many who don't know. I didn't know before I read this. And basically, uh, the someone had commented saying, hey, the Wolf of Wall Street, Stratton Oakmont, it's fraud. They're defrauding everyone. Uh, they know what they're doing. And uh, Stratton Oakmont sued Prodigy and the guy and said, hey, we're not frauds. That's uh, libel. And until a whistleblower is proven correct, it is libel under court. So the judge said, um, well, Prodigy, you're liable too because you didn't remove this. And you said you keep your fa your uh, platform family friendly, try to moderate content, try to keep people safe. This one piece of content on your entire platform does not meet that standard. So you're liable. So that led to the moderator's dilemma before Section 230. You either moderate everything and it's rainbows and sunshine and only very positive comments, no negative reviews. You can't tell if your doctor is going to listen to you or not based on reviews. TripAdvisor is nothing. Like, that's not useful anymore um, because people will sue to take down negative comments saying it's liable. Or you touch nothing and it's f worse than 4chan and that's not useful either. And it's like spam and scams. So that's not useful. But 
lawmakers don't care. Like you're saying, they kind of just want people to do the things they want them to do. And I think that's so dangerous that this has become an acceptable way for lawmakers to uh, turn against the First Amendment. Even when it comes to kids, there's First Amendment implications, but I think more pure intentions, because I really think the laws are trying, the proposed laws for the most part, are really trying to target just kids, but it still implicates the First Amendment. Yeah, I'm I'm a little more cynical on that, but I <laughs> I do think like um, you know there's there's sort of uh, traditions and and customs in politics that get eroded. So the first time, and let's say it was Trump, but it probably wasn't Trump. But you know the first time they they start strong arming right. people, then the next guy's like, oh, I can do that now. And, Very and then, much. Then it just, suddenly some suddenly there is legislation, and suddenly. All of their comments are sort of forced to, to vote on the Senate floor about whether or not they, they're going to put their money where their mouth is. It's it's very corrosive. And I, I'm i old enough to remember when the um, recently successful Obama for President campaign was bragging about how they used Facebook yeah. to, to recruit voters. And I won't say manipulate because I don't think at the time it was viewed as manipulation. Yeah. It's just like we're reaching new people and we're getting them to the polls and this was a key part of how we won the re-election. Fast forward to when, when Trump was the, the king of Twitter um, or, the, or at least the, the Jedi master troll of Twitter, whatever you think about Trump, um, then it became this, this, this crisis, like this was a fundamental threat to democracy. So I do, I do think there's, there's political implications oh, totally. in all this stuff. Um, even even when the stated intentions are good, because you know what, uh, legislation will then be hijacked by regulatory agencies, and they're going to do something that was either unimagined or just far beyond what the legislation actually thought they were suggesting. Yeah, like Lindsey Graham wants to give Biden's administration and especially his FTC. We always boo and we say Lindsey Graham. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He wants to give uh, uh, Biden's FTC power to decide if a platform can speech or not. What the hell? Like, maybe think through that one for like more than five seconds or maybe just one second. Like, let's think through how that'll work. I'm terrified of that idea under any president. Like, I think Trump abused power. I think Biden's abusing power. I think every president will abuse it to different degrees in different ways. But I don't want that on the books. Not that it would like survive First Amendment scrutiny. But a lot of this stuff, like you're saying, can really be used against enemies. Um, yeah. You know, without Section 230, it's going to be politicized. Like, oh, or even... um. A good example is all of the laws that uh, that have been proposed in red states saying you can't moderate um, on the on like on uh, political stuff like you can't uh, remove or restrict political content. Then every racist is going to say their thing is actually political or include something about like law in order to say this was really political. And then, OK, well, we'll exclude racists. Then what is ra- that gets into so many First Amendment issues right, where it's right. not workable at all. I do think um, I do think tech companies are are culpable because the political biases of the people that decide which words get flagged. Sure. I was I was just watching an interview. I'm assuming this is true, but I don't know that it's true. Uh, Vivek, Vivek Ramaswamy had his LinkedIn account um, temporarily yeah. suspended. Do you know the story? And it was because he was making political arguments that that whoever flagged it or whatever whatever person wrote the code that flagged it didn't like that conversation. Right. I'm like. But that, that's if we can't have that conversation, we can't have a political argument on social media. 
So for what it's worth, I don't care much for Vivek for a, a bunch of reasons. He also lied kind of about endorsements. Like on his, um, I think it was on his website, he said that Facebook said something like really positive, or sorry, that the Federalist Society said something really positive about him. It was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that Fetzog put out statements. Like, it, genuinely, because they're not, um, they don't do a lot of PR stuff like that. But I, I kind of accepted it. Then I saw a few tweets later. Actually, that was in his own bio on the Federalist Society page, and he claimed that they said that about him. So between that and his shoddy policy work, I have some qualms. That said, assuming... I have a bit of a beef <laughs> with his idea that we would uh, literally invade Mexico couple um, of things because because <laughs> we've, we've declared the war on drugs in mexico for 30 years yeah. and i'm like so you're saying double down on something that has created this crisis in the first place right by the way i'm going to interview him at uh, pork fest oh good so so send send, send me all of your <laughs> and he's he's like you know whatever you want to ask because oh we're, yeah we're gonna hit him with all the, the libertarian beefs and, yeah do it um He's, but he's good on some stuff. But anyway, yeah. back back to the story at hand. Oh, yeah. Assuming, Did this actually happen? Yeah, assuming it happened. And I'll, I'll assume for sake, especially if the screenshots looked like it may have. One, one thing that's weird is that LinkedIn doesn't generally cause this stuff. So I wonder if it was some error. But even if it was, like, you know, moderators tend to lean liberal. And I think it's a problem. Like, it kind of sucks when you have trouble discussing more right-leaning ideas online because everyone who's moderating is, like, on the other side. I just don't think that there's a government solution here. Because say with that section 230 yeah let's say uh you know they still want to have lots of speech on their platforms so they don't um they don't not moderate they they over moderate well that means they're going to be moderating it more and taking down more political speech because even in a you know let's say a left-leaning moderator is fully pure of heart just doesn't understand stuff from the right as much and i think sometimes that really happens um they're going to be familiar with a, a left-leaning argument that's kind of out there. They'll be like, oh, that's out there, but we get it. We're mm -hmm. cool assuming liability for it. But a right-leaning argument just as far out there, they won't, they're kind of here instead of in the middle. They won't understand it as well and say, ah, I'm not sure it's worth the liability, and they'll probably end up taking it down. So government doesn't make things better for us in, in this instance. Like, any way we try to reduce moderation of conservative speech through government, it's going to get worse. Have you ever thought about using CBD oil? You haven't? Well, think about it now. Are you thinking about it? Good, because now there's a way to support freedom and improve your life at the same time. Petcrest Botanicals is a libertarian-owned company that makes a wide variety of botanical CBD products. I use CBD oil to soothe the sore muscles I get from constantly fighting the man here in Washington, D.C. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Petcrest Botanicals uses high-quality organic ingredients in everything they make. And as libertarians, you won't have to worry about them hurting people or taking their stuff. They sell tinctures, edibles, topicals, and botanical vapes. CBD oil can help with pain, insomnia, inflammation, anxiety, stress, arthritis, and more. Use the discount code FREETHEPEOPLE to save 25% of your order, and if you select Free the People as your charitable organization at checkout, a portion of your purchase will be donated to help us keep fighting for freedom. Yeah, and I, my, my bias, again, it's simple to say and impossible to do, but like um, as light of moderation as possible yeah. is the answer, but you're watching, I think... Um, my interpretation is that Elon Musk's um, stated goal of making Twitter a public 
uh, square where free speech is not only tolerated but celebrated. I think he's actually trying to do that. But you watch you watch him get twisted like a pretzel over moderation issues, yeah. making sure that that genuinely bad things don't happen on the platform. But I think it's I think it's hard to automate that. It would if yeah. you really wanted to do it right, you would need a objective, well-educated people to make those judgment calls. And that that sounds impossible, too. Yeah, it's a moderation is really, really hard at scale. And a lot of people hand wave like, oh, it's simple answers. But it's what 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 about a kid in a bikini that can be totally innocent from a grandmother. But I've uh, doing monitoring. I found it in context where it was not innocent. I reported it to Twitter and they took it down. But you start to see how content can be totally different in jokes. You know, mm-hmm. uh, bots don't collect jokes and they can't ID jokes very well. There's a lot of they're, stuff. They're not that fun. Yeah, Bots exactly. are not, they don't, they don't not, laugh, they don't care. Yeah, they're not here for the oh, ha, ha. You know, they're just not here for it. And you definitely need both together. And I think one day AI will get to the point where it is a lot better. But even then it's just, I mean, people mistake stuff. If a human can't always tell the difference between contexts, how is a robot going to be able to do it? And also I have a lot of issues with what Elon Musk has done abroad. Like he's been restricting... Um, the, the Indian governments, the, basically the same stuff he restricts for the Indian government, he restricts everywhere. And there's a lot of different principles when it comes to like internet governance globally, that if there's some censorship you have to do to maintain a platform that still allows people a, dem- a democratizing force, like you might want to obey some of those restrictions to give people something more. And that's totally legitimate. But you don't restrict it outside of that country, too. If you're doing that, there's not even necessarily a reason why a lot of times the country doesn't care quite as much outside as they do inside and you don't eagerly kowtow you might again you might concede okay it's worth it for us to do this one thing so all these people can have this good democratizing force but there's always a line and i think he keeps crossing those lines and he's not fighting government requests for data the way that the former twitter administration was not saying they were perfect my argument isn't like things were perfect before him i think there were a lot of flaws in twitter down to the way ads worked um but i don't think he's made a lot of stuff better which is really frustrating because i kind of had hope that he would annoy everyone a little and make something better overall for people yeah well we'll, we'll see I'm, I'm willing to to, yeah. to wait and see how it shakes out because right now there just seems to be endless iterations and then he he does something and then he pulls back and yeah that's not great I, for like a global company <laughs> no well that's that's apparently his style for for yeah. better or worse um it, it may not be a great way to do it i'm trying to think of the recent example of uh, oh is uh just this past week there was this whole brouhaha about um, the Daily Wire wanting to to publish uh, what is a woman, and they were encouraged and then discouraged and then blocked, and I don't even know how it ended. Yeah, I think Elon ended up like making an exception for them, and I get that, but that's just for one instance. What about all the other instances where that policy is still in effect? Like, yeah. as as libertarian as I am, I also tend to be like an institutionalist. I like functioning institutions and I think that's really good. It's really weird. It's a really weird spot to be when you like institutions, but you also like like freedom a lot and stuff. But um, I think he's just not focusing on Twitter as an institution enough. Not that it's like insurmountable and there's never going to be anything better. But while you have it, you want to make it something that everyone kind of understands the rules of, knows what they should be doing. Yeah. And I think he's been failing that. Not that, again, not that the other owners haven't, but I think he needs to like buckle down a little bit more, make stuff clearer to people so they know where the line is. And if he changes his mind, that's cool. Just make sure it's changed for everyone and like that it'll be ongoing practice. Yeah. Well, that that's a good goal because I don't, I don't think there's any conflict between freedom and 
and and open, honest, predictable rules of the game. Cause oh yeah, that's that's how freedom actually works. But um, that is sort of my big beef with big tech having like even even stuff we do and and free the people doesn't do right wing clickbait. I hate it. I know it's disgusting. Um, um, but we've we've constantly been been censored like there for the longest time on Facebook for instance we weren't allowed to say the word socialism oh, and that's it's kind of hard to talk about socialism if you can't say the word yeah and so they would put these warning dangerous things <laughs> over top of it and obviously that just killed the performance of the video and we've since just abandon Facebook altogether. It's not a great place to have a conversation about anything. Yeah, our street doesn't do much on Facebook either just because it's not a great place for our audience. So I haven't run into that quite as much, but I'm curious if like I had done more posting there and if I had focused on it more uh, more as a platform, if we'd have dealt with that. Our biggest thing is uh, Google ads where we tend to deal with that. They'll flag everything as elections nearing yeah. stuff and i'm like no we're talking about voting policy like ranked choice voting or whatever like not telling you to vote one way or the other or even um we have a scholar who works a lot on congress so i try to run ads on him they're like no this is political i'm like I promise you it's not political yeah. listen to me and that's i mean some of the stuff you're saying is definitely more like they're politicizing the moderation for us it's just they're getting the terms wrong and i'm like no this is not the same thing that happens to us on everything and i, I remember vividly we were talking about marijuana policy yeah oh you cannot you, you Oh my gosh, no way. Yeah, we've Um, tried to do vaping policy or like opioid harm reduction. There is no way we can do anything money related around that. And even otherwise, sometimes I'm like, please don't like flag these tweets as like whatever because I just don't want to have to deal with this right now. So when we had uh, Wayne and Adam on, we were talking a little bit about, um, I, I think it's shocking and just almost unimaginable that the Department of Homeland Security had built um, along with the FBI and maybe the CIA this this huge um, speech monitoring apparatus, um, and I, I you know without Elon Musk we might not have known about some of those things. But I yeah. I think in a weird way, it's a good thing because that's such overt ham-fisted censorship yeah. that that has to violate the, the spirit of the First Amendment that that. In, in a lot of ways, the good guys are winning and that these platforms for all of their flaws and all of their problems and all the biases of, of big tech is, is creating a lot more freer yeah. open speech. And that must, be, that must be a good thing. Like this has to, on balance, be we're headed in the right direction and we're gonna figure out questions like, uh, and I, I think probably there's a cultural solution to moderation that's not going to it's not going to come from congress i don't believe they're ever going to solve this problem um and it's probably not even going to come from the algorithm it's going to be communities of people trying to figure out how to self-police yeah th- their new world yeah it's i actually really like blue sky and not i mean it's super crunchy like even for me i'm like okay this is weird and i'm pretty weird but like i like the moderation they have where you're it's not really built out very well yet but soon you're going to be able to pick a lot of different kinds of moderation how much if any nudity you're willing to see right now it's like nudity of elf i'm not really sure how it started but like that's what the platform is um swearing all different kinds of things that it's like kind of pick and choose your own adventure which a lot of conservatives have said that's kind of what they wanted and i like I like that idea I want more of that like 
choose your own adventure. Here's yeah. how I want to see the platform. But in a way that's not so overwhelming that it's hard to start because that's also a big possibility. Like Facebook now has like every feature in the world. It has games and like Farmville down to like every, and that's too much. Like you don't need that. It has its own like app store within it. That's too much. If you have your own app store within your social media platform, you are doing too much and you need to roll it back. But I, I like the approach of like, let's play around. Let's like, let protocols over people kind of thing, which I really like from like Mike Masnick of Tech Dirt. But um but you're right with the government stuff. Like I mean the the government's gonna monitor our speech. Like a hundred percent they're gonna monitor and try to restrict our speech. Um that's kinda like what they do, which isn't great, but it's a it's a reality of just every government is gonna have this problem. Some things kinda always go back this way and it's on people to police them and to call them out and to monitor them too. Um, but it's, I mean, the one good thing is we have the First Amendment and the courts are usually pretty good about upholding it in most kinds of cases, especially ones like these. And even third party doctrine is going in the right direction. And like Senator Ron Wyden wants to stop the government from being able to buy data. Like third party doctrine just says, um, or it kind of used to say, it's being rolled back a little bit now, but it used to say, if you give your data voluntarily to someone else, you have no interest in it and the government can do whatever with it, which is not accurate but uh the courts roll that back a little bit which is nice and um but that only applies to like you know data handed over but now Wyden's saying hey you can't pay for it either and the bill hasn't gotten enough play but I think it's a really good idea and we should always be looking for ways to restrict the government from acquiring our data which I'm really excited about um I think also like a key point in like this whole monitoring thing that uh I don't think anyone else has noticed and it like freaks me out um, so Senator Schatz, I think, means well, genuinely. Like, he's, we've talked a little on, on, on Blue Sky, oddly enough, and he's been very open to criticism, and I'm glad. Um, I'm not sure he agrees with me, but, but that's okay. But he wants the Department of Commerce to run an age verification program, if you're concerned, I am as well, um, that would uh, collect, um, e like, either your government IDs or biometrics or something that would meet the standard of pretty accurate age verification. Under the law, you uh, a social media platform could use that have their own thing but if they use the department of commerce one they have a safe harbor so yeah they're probably going to use that to try to comply with the law and uh it says you know we won't keep record of where you verified your information of which platforms of your accounts but if you trust the government and use your anonymous email which you use for everything else that has the same handle that's that can be connected easily and it's it's says it'll be protected but the government says a lot of stuff and also has a lot of data breaches and a lot of hacks so even even if you're like still like kind of on board with it like oh we need age verification the department of commerce has apparently been giving data of citizens of other countries to those countries so somehow data it's collected on foreign nationals um it's been handing over to those countries left and right I'm not really sure I trust it super much now to like collect our data and like not do stuff we don't want with it because apparently it wasn't supposed to be doing that either. And uh, weirdly, it was weird for the Department of Commerce. They're not usually in the middle of stuff like this. At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24 seven, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today. Just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love liberty and look cool. But I was like, wee woo, wee woo. Like, you know, just like, oh my gosh, alarms off. Like, yeah. you want to create it through here. And not that we should trust any agency, but maybe this isn't the agency we use here, you know? 
Yeah, when we talk about the surveillance state, you assume that it's yeah. a different ag- agency yeah. than commerce. Like NSA, you're gonna you're gonna think NSA, FBI. You're not. Why is the Department of Commerce surveilling anyone? You know. Mission creep, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, so many agencies like you, they do whatever. It's. I'm, I'm gonna guess after 9/11, every agency that was good at um, uh, growing their budgets became part of the national security complex. Sure, and, yeah. And trading data with other countries, like maybe they'll give us some of their data. Yeah, sure. But you shouldn't trust any of that, yeah. is, is the point. So I want to ask, um, to the extent that you want to blow up your relationships on Capitol Hill, <laughs> you, you mentioned Senator Ron Wyden, who has been very good on this stuff yeah. forever, and he was, he was a key part of passing 230 in the yeah. first place. Um, who are the good guys? Uh, we'll start with the good guys. <laughs> So the good and then guys. we're going to call out the bad guys. Oh, man. Uh, so starting with the good guys, there's uh, I love Ron Wyden. I disagree with him heavily on financial stuff, but I love his tech work. I love his cyber work. I think he's very serious there. And even when we disagree, like I see how he got from point A to B. And he's super, super smart. So I adore Ron Wyden. Didn't think like a you know pretty right-wing person would end up loving, but I just think he's great. Um, Rand Paul's also really good. His office is great to work with. I love John Cornyn. I just like think of him as like dad of the Senate a little bit, but he loves licensing reform and we have a lot of shared interests. So even when he's bad on tech, I still like really like him. Oh, honestly, most people I've worked with are really great. Like even when I didn't expect them to be, they're just super, super nice. Um, we've actually had really great relationships with Sheldon Whitehouse's staff. Wouldn't have thought, but his staff are great. And they're like super down to work on energy stuff and open to criticism. Chris Coons has great staff too. Like, But uh, but on, on tech specifically. Oh, on, on tech specifically. Yeah. Oh, then you're narrowing it down. Then it's like widen Rand Paul. Ah, there's not many Because Chris Coon is not good on no, tech. No, no, no. Yeah. But he's more thoughtful there. He, he and Schatz, I will disagree with a lot. But they, they really, really try to craft tighter legislation. I just don't think you can with this. But their staff are, like, agonizing over this, really trying to. And I respect that. So who are the worst Republican demagogues? Uh, we mentioned Lindsey Graham. Yeah. I hope he's on your list. I just don't think he's put together many serious proposals, which is the only reason that he doesn't come to mind a lot. Like he's, He always just bangs his shoe on the yeah, podium kind of guy. He yells, and he'll, like, put together, like, not serious proposal so i'm like you know like that's not i'm like not really paying attention but to maybe him. he thinks they are i i hope not because like some of those i'm like really you thought this was serious the worst by far is senator holly like i cannot stand so much of his work but especially the tech work like he tried to ban autoplay like oh no not autoplay and like he's had these, this legislation that like was unreadable like stuff where i'm like you think this is serious and uh, just not thinking through stuff at all? And if you criticize him, he gets really mad. And I'm like, all right, like, feel free, but not. I will unleash the government on you if you yeah. criticize me. Yeah, I don't love that. He seems, to, yeah, like he, he was, for a hot minute, he was he was a rising star within yeah. within the GOP because he was yelling at the right people at that moment. But I don't think that's really true anymore. And I, I always wonder, particularly for a guy like that. So you're going to give the government all this new power to to break up big yeah. tech or decide which speech is, is good and what's bad. I have three words, four words for you. President Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. What is she going to do with these weapons that you've built into our system? Do, can you even 
think about the implications of what you're doing. There's this real, and I'm sure you've seen it too, there's this real new subset, not in, not exclusively, but mostly conservative right, and it's not all of them, just a, a small subset of them, That and it's the Natcons, but it's more than the nationalist conservatives, who think that like you can like whatever with government and it'll be fine, like who cares if my enemies do it, as long as I got to do my thing. And I'm like, are you, like especially a lot of you guys care a lot about religion, like are you willing to like play that card with religion, because like I'm, you know, I'm not like that's not I wouldn't play that kind of game and they're really willing to walk and go over a line of like what government should be able to do and hand wave away concerns what do you make of that kind of that kind of thinking you know I think I mean it's it's a very naive assumption it's kind of a game of thrones assumption that all the power has migrated to Washington DC and the presidency and the administrative state and the only game left to play is to to control that, yeah, and never, never lose another election, which I don't. That's that's a pretty big assumption, um, but but yeah, like it's there's, I, I would call it the real authoritarianism on the right because just just weaponizing the government to decide how we live and and everything from from religion to speech to, to everything else. It's it's a very disturbing trend, but um, they're kind of they're they're watching the left do it so well, and they're like, hold my beer. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it better. Oh, it scares me so much because I'm like, at least we kind of used to rein in the left a little. And in certain areas, the left, I think, would rein in us. And I like that game of like, you're going to try that. We won't let you do it. Like, that's, that's I think, the healthy game. The, the crazy game is when you agree on like, yeah, let's just keep expanding power. I even, um, so when Cameron Cawthorn was in the House, I talked with one of his staffers about licensing reform because I'll talk with anyone who like was willing to talk with me and always glad to help. And he's like, what can we do about licensing reform? So I gave him like a couple of options. And I'm like, these are the only constitutional ones. And anything beyond that's really, it's, it's just not going to work. Or you might be able to find something, but it's hard because you want to make sure it's constitutional and respects federalism. And I was like, yeah, but what can we force the states to do? I'm like, no, you're not understanding me. Like, it's not constitutional. You shouldn't do it. And that was the end of that conversation. And I get into those sometimes. But uh, lately, it's more like, hey, this violates the First Amendment. I, it's... So is it sense. like it's it's funny because it's I don't I don't know if it's naivete about about what the what the American system of checks and balances is um, because I'm I'm old enough to remember that the Tea Party days when the Constitution was the framework yeah. that was guiding this this populist grassroots thing and now they're like we they, yeah. when's the when's the last time and I, I would have to blame Trump for some of this because <laughs> when's the last When's the last time you heard Trump like cite the Constitution as, as an important document and what he can and can't do? The thing that kills me is even like Supreme Court justices will say like fire in a crowded theater, which is not a thing. Like look it up. It's like that wasn't that's not how that works. That wasn't yeah. the key part of the case that had that line and it was overturned later. Like check it out. But Supreme Court justices don't know it. Senators don't know it. And I'll catch them like like a lot of senators unfortunately think hate speech isn't protected by the Constitution, like basic First Amendment yeah. stuff. So like, yeah. I, you know, I, I don't love Trump at all. Like I'm I'm happy to blame him, but also call him out where I think he did good stuff. But like, this is like not knowing the Constitution. That's like a everyone affair and it kills me because that's the thing you're supposed to be upholding and protecting. And we can disagree on what we think it means, but you should be able to like know some of the basics, you know? Yeah, we have uh, 
Rand Paul and Mike Lee sort of holding up the, the dam in hopes that it doesn't doesn't breach. Rand Paul in particular, I always appreciate because he loves Randy Barnett and I love Randy Barnett. And like his theories on unenumerated rights, I think are really, really like he nailed it. And like Rand Paul, when he ran for president, used to cite Randy Barnett. And I'm like, I love you, but like only I am here for this. <laughs> As it turns out. <laughs> yeah, but it was cute. I, I love it. I love yeah, Randy yeah. and I love his theories. All right. So give us a shameless plug for <laughs> your work and uh, what R Street is up to and what should people check out? Thank you. So I'm on Twitter at Senator Shoshana, also Blue Sky. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I am I tweet too much. I also post mountains on Instagram at Shoshana Summits. And R Street is at RSI. And on Blue Sky, we're at R Street. I don't know if anyone's there, but just in case. And at R Street, or we're, we are at rstreet.org. Um, I love my job. We're doing a lot of permitting reform, a lot of NEPA reform, which is fun as someone who loves regulatory reform. Cybersecurity, the government keeps getting breached. We want to stop that. <laughs> like, that's really bad. A lot of criminal justice reform and policing reform. Uh, and that program's run by a former NY or a retired NYPD officer. And then I'm always doing my tech stuff, yelling at government, but also trying to find solutions to things where we can. But right now I have a really long series on all the problems, including constitutional ones with age verification. Uh, it ended up being like 12,000 words. Didn't intend for that. But if you like to read 12,000 words about age verification problems, I'm your girl. That was very good. I actually believe it or not, made all the way through the 12,000 words. No, oh, thank you. Oh, it's not done yet. <laughs> I only have half the post. Oh. <laughs> um, so um, the good news is I don't think we said anything that YouTube is going to strike us for on this yeah. video. So so you, people will actually Should we start? Yeah. Should we start saying yeah. those things? <laughs> we, we didn't. We spent so much time picking on Facebook, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not YouTube. Yeah, YouTube like, kind of right. sucks too. So yeah. there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm being sarcastic because I don't want the strike. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.